Eagles Entertainment. Compassionate and trusted care. Clinical expertise. It's the cornerstone of NovaCare Rehabilitation and why they're the leading provider of physical therapy throughout the Delaware Valley. Don't let aches and pains or any injury slow you down. Schedule an appointment today at NovaCare.com. The Philadelphia Eagles choose NovaCare. So can you. NovaCare, the power of physical therapy. I don't think he purposely ran up the score, but he put regular Cowboys out there on the field who were so much better than the ragamuffins who were playing for the Eagles at that time. I can remember being on the picket line and the scabs were brought in and I can remember the Teamsters almost flipped over these huge buses. I run into the end zone and he tries to throw me the pass. And usually it's going to catch teams completely off guard. Luis is dazed and he's stumbling, he's dizzy. And he is like kind of stumbling and leaning towards our sideline. As soon as the Cowboys came out the tunnel, the fans started throwing snowballs at the Cowboys. Welcome to Return Game, Birds, Boys, and Bad Blood, presented by NovaCare Rehabilitation. I'm Rob Ellis. And I'm Derek Gunn. If you've just discovered us, welcome. If you haven't already listened to some of our earlier episodes, this is a great time to go back and get caught up. They are worth the time. They sure are. Some see the late 1980s era of the Eagles-Cowboys rivalry as the pinnacle. The reason? Both teams and fans packed so much hatred for each other into such a short amount of time. It was really quite impressive. It's 1987. Buddy Ryan is the Eagles head coach. He had one year in Philly under his belt. Before landing in the city of brotherly love, Coach Ryan had a successful and sometimes tumultuous run as the Chicago Bears defensive coordinator. Back when he worked for the Bears, Ryan was actually hired by Papa Bear, George Hallis. The Birds had wrapped Buddy's first season 5-10-1. Not the best showing, but the team was going through a transition as Buddy implemented the culture he would become known for. His second season in charge got off to an unconventional start. We pick up our story in week two of the 1987 campaign. I just knew we weren't playing, so you know what? I'm going home and let y'all figure this out, and then I'll come back when it's time to play. And that's basically what I did. The players had walked out and decided to strike because, put simply, they wanted free agency. Clyde Simmons went along with it, but then something changed. And then I was watching television and watching it circle around Veterans Stadium with the unions and all the stuff. And then it started grasping on to me as to how important this was to have freedoms and choices. Simmons came back to Philly to join teammates like Seth Joyner on the picket lines. The entire team pretty much decided to stay out. And it was not very well looked upon to be crossing picket lines. And there was a massive picket line of which a lot of the players participated. We as a team made the decision that, you know, we were either all going to go in together, which that wasn't going to happen because of what our fan base was like and what they stood for. And we had to represent them throughout that situation. So you had players picketing outside stadiums across the country. Huge crowds gathered at some of the sites and caused a headache for the NFL. There had been a player strike in 1982, but back then the league stopped games during the standoff. But this time was different the league decided to find a different solution. 
The solution was to recruit replacement players to play as long as the strike continued. It was the first time in history of professional sports in the U.S. that replacement players would take the field. These guys were considered no-names and has-beens, plucked from obscurity and thrown into the field. I can remember being on the picket line and the scabs were brought in. They couldn't just drive into the stadium. The owners had to have them bust in every day for practice. And I can remember the Teamsters almost flipped over these huge buses as they were driving in to Veterans Stadium for these guys to practice. But, you know, that's the way they had to get them in or it wouldn't have ended well for the scabs trying to come in and cross the picket line. Nobody liked the idea of replacement football. All, all the coaches knew that it was a farce and a mistake. But a lot of coaches took the attitude that, okay, look, I'm going to do the best I can with these guys. I'm going to try and coach them. I'm going to try and make them into a team. I'm going to go out and I'm still going to try and win games. But not Buddy Ryan. In the three weeks that they were together, when they were on the practice field, I mean, Buddy just stood off to the side and just stood there and twirled his whistle. He wouldn't coach these guys because he didn't want to give that much credibility to these games. Instead of these physically and mentally tough NFL players like Joyner, the Eagle squad was made up of these replacements. But in Dallas, the situation was different. Merrill Reese remembers. Quite a few of the Cowboys had crossed the picket line. Christy Scales is a Dallas Cowboys sideline reporter. She has been with the Dallas Cowboys radio network for over 30 years. Scales says the 87 squad didn't have much of a choice. Tech Schramm, the Cowboys team president and general manager, really put the screws to the most popular and best players on the team. I'm talking about Randy White and Tony Dorsett, as well as the starting quarterback, uh, Danny White, guys like Everson Walls. Those guys actually crossed the picket line, and it's because Tech had threatened to take away their future player annuities. Shortly after the strike started, Ryan had to face Landry with his half-real and half-pretend Cowboys at Texas Stadium. Eight-yard touchdown run for Alvin Blunt, and the Cowboys open the lead. Hensley attack, the ball comes loose, and it is Cowboy ball. Dallas on top, 21 to nothing, and we still have 6.20 to go in the first period. And they just battered the Eagles' replacement players. This is really, I think, the difference between a team that's been together and one that hasn't. 50-yard field goal, Luis Zendejas may have got himself a job. One player beating up the birds was a kicker named Luis Zendejas. Zendejas joined the Cowboys as a replacement player. He accounted for 11 points in that game. File the name Zendejas away because you'll be hearing about him again. While the Eagles were getting thrashed, Ryan thought that perhaps Landry was running up the score. He put regular Cowboys out there on the field who were so much better than the ragamuffins who were playing for the Eagles at that time. They weren't NFL quality players. So did he run up the score? He didn't have to run up anything. They just dominated the Eagles. They were just totally outmanned. Christy Scales has a different perspective. It was late in the game and the Eagles had a chance to get on the scoreboard again. And so uh, the Cowboys already had 41 points and uh, the game was in hand. But by sending Randy White and Tutal Jones back into the game, you know, to stop the replacement Eagles from getting a late score, it helped fuel the acrimony between the teams. It sure did, Christy. The final score, Cowboys 41, Eagles 22. 
they were scoring touchdowns and they beat the Eagles badly. And Buddy just stood on the sideline steaming, watching this whole thing. So that when the game was over, the Cowboys won, of course, because they had all the good players. Uh, and Buddy walked off, you know, shaking his head, fully determined that one day he would get his revenge. And he did. The 1987 strike lasted 26 days. It set the tone for a rocky few years between the Eagles and the Cowboys, with games that really highlighted the rivalry. And the revenge was stoked by Buddy Ryan. After the strike ended and the Eagles were back together, Coach Ryan was in his element. He was happy because Buddy loved his players, and he didn't want to coach the replacement players. That's Mike Quick. Quick was a wide receiver for the Eagles from 1982 through 1991. It was common knowledge that Coach Ryan favored the defense over his offense, but number 82 made it into Ryan's good book. He was great to me. And so, Buddy, there's no, like, ambiguity. You knew Buddy loves you. Buddy does not like you. And there's really not much gray area there. He understood me, he liked the way I play because I, I, you know, every day I'm going to come to work. And he appreciated that in me and many of the offensive guys. But he took care of me. In fact, he told the defensive guys when we were in live stuff, like, don't hit 82 because he didn't want me to get hurt because he needed me on Sundays. So, so Buddy took good care of 82. Number 82 would come to be remembered for his part in what unfolded next. Buddy Ryan and Tom Landry were polar opposites. Uh, Landry was always placid. In fact, he was known as the plastic man. You know, he didn't show a lot of emotion uh, at all. And then Buddy Ryan was the opposite. He was fiery and, and he was the perfect archetype of an old school football coach. It's true. Ryan and Landry were so different, and it was their personality class that helped fuel the rivalry in the late 80s. Landry was a clean-cut military guy, always dressed to perfection, jacket, tie, and fedora. Ryan, a military man himself, resembled a feisty bulldog who knew just how to rile up his players, coaches, and Eagles fans. Buddy couldn't stand the Cowboys. He seemed to really despise Tom Landry. Buddy didn't like a lot of people. But Landry seemed to be at the top of his list. And very quickly, he learned that in this town, nobody likes the Dallas Cowboys. And so he knew one of the ways to become really popular really quick in Philadelphia was to beat up the Dallas Cowboys. In the late 80s, the Eagles were playing better than the Cowboys. This was a franchise first. The Cowboys' superiority had waned, and the Eagles took full advantage. The Eagles made the playoffs from 1988 through 1990 while Dallas was bringing up the rear of the NFC East. Coach Ryan was loving this moment of NFL dominance. He sure was, and so were Eagles fans. Between the game in Texas Stadium on October 11th and the rematch in Philly on October 25th, the strike ended, players who were on the picket line were itching to play, and the NFL was back in business. And Buddy Ryan's anger towards Tom Landry had time to fester. It was the first game after the strike was settled. The very next game, fittingly, was Dallas comes to Philadelphia to play the Eagles. So now they're coming in to play a Cowboy team that they didn't like anyway. 
And now half of these guys had crossed the picket line and helped break the union. So you can imagine what the emotional level of the game was. Here in Philadelphia, the Cowboys were greeted today as the guys in the black hats. A chorus of boos for the team identified as the tormentors of the replacement Eagles two weeks ago. Dallas coach Tom Landry knows Buddy Ryan has hung a bullseye on his Cowboys. And the Cowboys will receive to our left in their road blue uniforms. The game started uneventfully, though. Roger Ruzak will attempt from the 13-yard line at 23-yard drive, and he's got it. The Cowboys draw first blood at Veterans Stadium. Field goals were exchanged. And a 46-yard attempt for Paul McFadden. He's got it. We are tied at three in Philadelphia. And then the Eagles' score started to creep up. By halftime, the score was 13-10, so Dallas was still in the game. And by the start of the third quarter, the Cowboys made it 13-13. Roger Ruzek is good with the field goal. And we have a tied football game at Veterans Stadium. 10-28 to go, third quarter. The tie didn't last long. The Cowboys slipped further and further behind. The score in the third quarter was 20-13. Maybe Coach Ryan was thinking about how the Cowboys may have run up the score a couple of weeks ago. But, as Seth Joyner puts it, Buddy wanted to send a message. He was big on sending messages. You know, hey, what you did was wrong, and not only are we going to make you pay for it, but you can expect that this is going to be the mode of operation. This is the way we're going to beat you up. This is the way we're going to beat you down. This is the way we're going to mentally, physically, and psychologically demoralize you every time that we play you. So uh, Philly had taken a lead in the game and could have just run out the clock. But instead, over on the sideline, Randall Cunningham and the Eagles coaches are plotting a way to get back at the Cowboys, and that's what led to the famous kneel-down play, or non-kneel-down. Here's Mike Quick, number 82. We already felt comfortable that we were going to win the game. But rather than kicking a field goal late in the game, uh, we had this play, and it was called the quick field goal. So the play is called. The ball is going to be snapped to Randall, but I never ran off the field like I normally do after a third down play. I stayed over near the sideline, and when the ball was snapped to him, I run into the end zone, and he tries to throw me the pass. And usually it's going to catch teams completely off guard. It's almost as if Tom Landry had a sixth sense about Ryan's plan. Well, the Cowboys at the last minute, they recognized that we were running a fake, and one of the guys just ran out and hit me. Flag down on the incompletion in the end zone. So we ended up getting the foul called on him. After the pass interference penalty, the teams line up on the one-yard line. Then we ended up scoring the touchdown. It was Keith Byers that ran in for the touchdown after that play. Keith Byers capping off quite an afternoon. The final score was 37-20, Eagles. Message received. Buddy Ryan may have just become Texas's public enemy number one. After those uh, replacement games, we were kind of upset, but we hung together as a team, and it showed here today, and we're glad we got a coach like Buddy Ryan. Clearly, that was Buddy's response to Tom Landry for rolling up the score on the replacement players. Buddy said, okay, he opened the can of worms and I shut it, was the way Buddy explained that. Of course it was sneaky and uh, it was a way to get back at the Cowboys. And I think that it was viewed uh, by Cowboys Nation as, all right, here we go. It was not necessary, but it was fun. It sure was, Mike. It's a 
wasn't bad blood before. There's going to be bad blood now. They loved it. It's Philadelphia. And everyone was aware of how the Cowboys had beaten us up down in Dallas. And the fans in Philadelphia, they loved it. And they loved Buddy for it, that he's going to rub it in their face and run up the score. So, yeah, it was a good day. It's 1988. Ronald Reagan is in the White House. Don't worry, be happy. Simply Irresistible and Bon Jovi's Bad Medicine were blasting from car radios. The movie Rain Man, starring Tom Cruise and Dustin Hoffman, was number one at the box office. It had some competition from Coming to America and Die Hard. yippee ki Wow, that was a good year. On the field, the Eagles played solid football all season. Going into that final December game, they stood a good chance of clinching the NFC East title, and Ryan had been working up to this moment. Here's Ray Dittinger with a lay of the Eagles' land in 1988. Buddy had really kind of built his team. Uh, he had built his defense. I mean, offensively, they still weren't great, but they had Cunningham, who was a great player. Uh, and they just had a killer defense. And with every week, they just seemed to grow in confidence and they gained momentum. And nobody wanted to play against that defense because they were so good. Jerome Brown, Reggie White, Seth Joyner. And so by the end of that season, they were playing the best defense in football. A new face on defense was a guy named Mike Golick. He joined the Birds in 1987, after the strike and after Coach Ryan's revenge kneel-down play. The Ryan mystique may have been one of the reasons Golick wanted to land here. The thing that, that intrigued me about Philly was Buddy Ryan. Me being a defensive lineman and Buddy being a defensive coach and Buddy having a lot of success as a defensive-minded coach, I thought this was a good place to go. So Mike Golick, Seth Joyner, Clyde Simmons, part of Buddy Ryan's fearsome defense, and Mike Quick, a member of the offense, head to Dallas. The weather is absolutely ideal. It's a beautiful, sunshiny day. The temperature in the low 60s. Perfect weather here at Texas Stadium. Kickoff was at 1 p.m. The Cowboys' home turf was not Seth Joyner's happy place. I never liked playing in Texas Stadium for a variety of reasons. You're inundated with... Dallas Cowboy fans, that's the first thing. And they can be some of the most obnoxious fans. In opposition to popular belief, a lot of people think that Philadelphia Eagles fans are the absolute worst. I beg to differ. It's the Dallas Cowboy fans and their sarcastic, higher-than-mighty way of being Cowboy fans. Oh, Dallas is well aware of their reputation. Brad Sham, the voice of the Cowboys. You know, the old saying about Texas Stadium was that there was a hole in the roof so God could watch his favorite team. I'm going to ask for a pause here so Eagles fans can let out a collective groan. And go on, throw in a universal eye roll as well. But the truth is... They just didn't want to add on the extra money to put on a retractable roof. But that's the arrogance with which Cowboy fans view their team. And Joyner says it wasn't just the pompous fans that frustrated him. I never liked the field either. The field was always like this crown field. It was kind of rounded. Um, from the middle to the sides. But, you know, hey, it's an opportunity to take down the Dallas Cowboys again. So, you know, you learn how to block out the distractions. This game was the final game of the 1988 season. Now, to add to that milestone, it was the game that clinched the NFC East. The Birds were well-placed to go all the way. They had put themselves in position going into that final game in Dallas where if they won in Dallas, and the New York Giants lost to the Jets, 
that the Eagles would win the NFC East, that they would win that division. That final day, both of those things were in play. And the way it worked out, both games were played at the same time. This was a pretty big game. And then there was the added pressure of having your fates tied to the Giants and the Jets. That's all we talked about. We talked about taking care of our business, making sure that we got it done, you know, hoping that the Giants would lose in New York. They were at the Meadowlands. But we felt like we got to go down to Dallas and not worry about what's going to happen in New York, take care of the Cowboys and let the chips fall where they may. Clyde Simmons is a man of few words, but intense focus. We just got to do our part, you know, and can't worry about whatever nobody else does. You know, we have to do our part. And the first thing we have to do is win a ball game. And we went in there with the notion of, hey, we got to win this game. So the intensity was definitely up just even more so because it became like a playoff atmosphere for us because we didn't win. We're going home. The Cowboys have won the toss, and they will receive. Eagles will be kicking off. The Cowboys scored first and hung on to that one touchdown. The Eagles rebounded in the second quarter with a field goal from kicker Luis Sendejas. Sendejas tries to get them on the board here in the second quarter. Ball is spotted. The kick is long enough, and the kick is perfect. That's right. Luis Sendejas, the replacement player, had been traded to the Eagles. The Cowboys just couldn't make any inroads against Coach Ryan's defense. Wide receiver Mike Quick scored in the third quarter on a pass from Randall Cunningham. Cunningham is back. He steps up. He's floating it for the end zone. Touchdown, Mike Quick! Cunningham to Mike Quick, who ran a quarter pattern, and Cunningham put it on the numbers. I ran a crossing route, and I outran the corner that was trailing me. And there's a linebacker out there. Gary Cobb, and it was kind of between those two guys to try to get a stop on me. I got the edge. Basically, I outran both of them and got to the end zone. And I remember high-stepping and spiking the ball at Gary Cobb because he was a guy who was in Philadelphia for a while that I knew. And it was kind of always nice to get back at ex-teammates. And so the Eagles beat the Cowboys pretty handily. I remember a lot of plays in big games. But that was a game where they, they just won, and uh, they, there was nothing spectacular about that game. Christy Scales' assessment of this game is going to burst some Eagles fans' bubbles. The Cowboys were awful in 1988, but the Cowboys had lost 10 straight. They had lost uh, 11 of their last 12. They finished 3 and, and 13. And so uh, when you ask a Cowboy fan about the NFC East game at the end of the year, it's like, what are you talking about? That game was not important for the Cowboys. They had been written off long before. I think it's important in Eagles history. The Eagles have beaten the Dallas Cowboys 23-7 to to finish their season with a 10-6 and record. That win was only one part of the NFC East puzzle. All eyes turned to what was happening in the Meadowlands. And we're going to stay right here and keep you apprised on that Jets and Giants game because they have 41 seconds to go. So when you have to win... You know, you got to concentrate on that first because it doesn't mean anything if you don't. But if you start to get a game in, under control, then you can start the scoreboard watch a little bit to see if it's going to work out for you. It was still going on while the Eagles game was wrapping up. So I described off the television screen the last few minutes of the 
Giants lost to the Jets. Third Let's down. See. Third down at the middle. Third down and four. O'Brien is going back. He's floating it for the end zone. The Jets score! And down on the field, the Eagles just see the score on the monitors. The Eagles just see the score that the Jets have scored to take a 27-20 to 20 lead with less than a minute to play. As our game was ending, the Jets versus the Giants game was just ending. And the scores were up on the Jumbotron so we could actually see what was going on. And I can remember the celebration broke out on the field as we were leaving the field after the game um, when we realized that the Jets had, in fact, beat the Giants and we were the NFC East Division champions. And so they actually began having their celebration right there on the field of Texas Stadium in front of all the Cowboys fans, which made it even sweeter, I think. Buddy kind of had a typical Buddy moment there that he couldn't resist taking one more jab at the Cowboys when he was walking off the field and one of the Philadelphia TV reporters said, you know, hey, you won the championship. How's that feel? Oh, it feels great, blah, blah, blah. And the guy said, and you did it by beating the Cowboys. Does that make it extra special? And Buddy's response was, oh, hell, who are the Cowboys? We beat them all the time anyway. So that got a lot of play back in Philadelphia, and that really tickled the fans because not only did he win the division championship, but he was able to stick it into the Cowboys one last time. It's now around 30 years after the game, and to Joyner, there is only one thing that would have made this victory sweeter. Listen, you, you always would love to be at home in Veterans Stadium, you know, with the 70,000-plus fans that support you all year and be able to share that moment with them. But the celebration broke out, you know, not only on the field, but it carried over into the locker room and it carried over to the plane on the plane ride back home. It was a big moment because it meant for the first time we hey, we were going to the playoffs. It was a big deal because we were making headway from being a bottom dwelling team in our own division to now sitting on top of the division. This game is notable for a reason other than the Eagles winning the division. It would be the final game of Tom Landry's 29-year career as head coach of the Cowboys. He was fired in the offseason. His replacement, Jimmy Johnson. It's probably not surprising, but Buddy Ryan also seemed to have a vendetta against Jimmy Johnson. He sure did. Just when you may have thought we'd reach peak rivalry, it was about to take another turn, and the guy at the center, Luis Zendejas. Louie went down to Dallas and started spouting his mouth off, telling family secrets. And the Dallas newspaper started printing it, and it started getting a lot of public attention. And that was the genesis of a lot of the turmoil and chaos that ensued during that week leading up to that Thanksgiving Day game. Luis Andeas was born in Mexico City. He was a soccer player before getting recruited to be a kicker in high school. He had a brief stint with the Minnesota Vikings before landing in Dallas. In 1987, he was waived from the Cowboys, but then the strike started and he re-signed to be a part of the replacement team. The following season, Zendayas had changed teams and became a Philadelphia Eagle. He lasted a little over one season before the Eagles cut him and he re-signed with the Cowboys. He was angry that Buddy didn't tell him personally that he was letting him go, that he had sent an assistant coach. So Louie thought that that was kind of disrespectful. So Louie had said a few things about Buddy on his way out the door that Buddy didn't appreciate. 
Zendaya signed his contract with the Cowboys on November 7, 1989, and just a few weeks later, he would face his former Eagles teammates in Texas. When they say Bounty Bowl, and there were a lot of teams that did things like that, you know, put money on hits, put money on players. We knew what was coming. Mike Golick and Seth Joyner explain one of the most sensitive subjects in sports, this idea of a bounty. They were around long before I even entered the NFL. The idea is players or coaches put a monetary reward on someone from the opposing team. This player could be a threat who needs to be taken out or taught a lesson. Really what wound up happening was someone came in a special teams meeting room, a player, and was displeased with Louis spilling family secrets, even though now he was on the hated enemy's team. And that was the genesis of it. What is interesting is, if you can say honor amongst thieves, if you can put it that way, you would never collect on anything like that if it was an illegal hit. So does that make us sound more pure? I'm sure not. We never know quite what was said behind closed doors, but the word came out that uh, Buddy had let it be known to the players that if one of you guys takes out Luis and Dejas, you know, it might be a little something extra in it for you. So the idea was he put a bounty on Louis' head. It's week 12 in the 1989 season. The Eagles are 8-4. and four. Not a bad showing for Coach Buddy Ryan and the Birds. By this point in the season, the Cowboys are 1-11. So the shadow of the Cowboys that had loomed over the Eagles for decades was practically non-existent. November 23rd, Thanksgiving Day. Eagles and Cowboys fans undoubtedly had polished off their traditional turkey, stuffing, and mashed potatoes to be in their favorite game day chairs by the 4 p.m. kickoff. Roger Ruzik takes a deep breath, approaches the football. He kicks it. The game is underway. It's high and it's short. Coming up is Shepard. The first quarter, both teams were held to zero points, but that didn't last long. Heading into halftime, the Cowboys trailed by 10. Not a great showing for a home game. But coming out of the halftime break, the tensions that had been bubbling beneath the surface of the Eagles players reached their apex. Christy Scales again. Zendejas was only on the field one time for the kickoff because, you know, there weren't any extra points or field goals. And so he uh, kicks off to start the second half. Seth Joyner and Mike Golick take it from here. I remember the play. Louis Zendejas is kicking off. We're receiving the ball. Jesse Smalls, who was a linebacker, drafted in the first round by the Eagles. He is playing in the center of the kick return team. And his job is to block either the guy on the right or the left of the kicker. Well, as soon as Luis kicked the ball off, Jesse abandoned his responsibility. And he just ran straight for Luis and just clocked him. And how Luis didn't see him coming is still foreign to me. I mean, my goodness, you kick off. I mean, is he watching the ball in the air? But I mean, he just almost undressed him. He took a shot in that one, that's for sure. And then he came kind of pointing his finger over to Buddy after the hit and stuff, and his helmet was all almost sideways on his head. Yeah, it was a, it was a pretty, good, pretty good shot. And Luis is dazed, and he's stumbling. He's dizzy, and he's actually disoriented. And he is like leaning towards our sideline. And I can remember him 
almost getting close to our sideline. And someone on our sideline stepped off and pushed him back out to the middle of the field and said, oh, no, you're on that side now. And Dejas was staggering. In fact, uh, he headed towards the wrong bench and they had to turn him around and point him back so that he could get over to the home side of the field. Inside our little world, sometimes it's governed by different rules and players understand what those rules are. And when you overstep those rules, um, there's a penalty to pay for that. He knew what could happen. He just didn't think because he was a kicker that it would happen to him. And at the end of the game, Luis Adejas is hollering at the, the Eagles players as they're coming off the field and saying, you guys, you, know, you put a bounty on me. And the Eagles players are laughing at him saying, Louie, you're nuts. And so this becomes part of the whole storyline. The Cowboys had absolutely nothing to be thankful for that Thanksgiving day. The score, 27 to 0. The Cowboys were sent home to cry in their pumpkin pie. But for Mike Quick, beating Dallas at home the best Thanksgiving gift ever. We used to hear how they left the roof open so that God could watch his favorite team play and all that nonsense that they are caught up in. So uh, when you have a chance to rub it in their face to beat them, and especially on their turf, yeah, that's a good day. Between rumors about bounty swirling in the media and Buddy Ryan and Jimmy Johnson's mutual hate, this really helped stoke the rivalry. I like to think that Coach Tom Landry left a transition memo for Jimmy Johnson that said, keep hating Buddy Ryan. But knowing what we know about Landry, that's a bit of a long shot. If there was a memo like that, it should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame or on a plaque outside the link. It was early December 1989, and the city was really leaning into it. Cowboys week is just electric. On Monday morning, no, this Dallas Cowboy week. And the focus is just different. The energy is just different. The environment is different on Dallas Cowboys week. So after the Thanksgiving game at Texas Stadium, the Cowboys came to town for a rematch. Clyde Simmons says the team didn't need any juicy headlines to get amped up for this game. It's building because, you know, as as it closer to get to game time, the more intense you start feeling as a player and all that stuff because you're feeding off of some of the things the crowd is doing and how they're acting. They're chanting the Eagles chant song, and you know that it's not just a typical game, but I know it's important because it's the Cowboys. Even Mother Nature got in on Cowboys Week. That day of the game, it had snowed the day before, and so there was all kinds of snow in the stands. They hadn't really cleared it. So if you're Dallas, in the 1980s, at the vet, After it snowed, with Buddy Ryan coaching the Eagles, watch out. Odds are, you can guess what happened next. As soon as the Cowboys came out the tunnel, the fans started throwing snowballs at the Cowboys. Um, They threw snowballs mostly at Jimmy Johnson, but they threw them at everybody. But these players, all they have is a face guard. If you hit a snowball on that face guard, it shatters. And it became a whole big thing. And that's all anybody talked about was... Again, it was Luis and Dejas. Was there a bounty? Wasn't there a bounty? And the Philadelphia fans added their own touch to it by turning it into a into a snowball fest. And then the breakup of the snowballs, if they have water in them, go into the eyes, and you can blind these players. This is ridiculous. I've never seen anything like it. Philly fans didn't treat anybody really well. So Philly fans, I love them. Man, the great thing about them, even if when you're playing bad, they let you know, and that's okay. But, man, if you're out there busting your ass, you know, they're behind you, and they're going to love you and hate the opponent. 
Clyde Simmons wasn't safe. Snowballs were coming from everywhere. I was in a stance and snowball lands by my hand. It, it was crazy that day. In fact, no one was safe. I know that up in the broadcast booth, the game was being broadcast on CBS. Uh, Vern Lundquist was doing play-by-play, and Terry Bradshaw was doing color. And the fans, when they tired of throwing snowballs at Jimmy Johnson, they turned around and started, th- started throwing snowballs up into the booth at Lundquist and Bradshaw. They wound up like uh, in, kind of under their desk calling the game with the snowballs flying. And Vern Lundquist famously said, I didn't realize we we're going to be broadcasting this game from Beirut, <laughs> which is kind of what it looked like, as a matter of fact. I got to tell you what a joy it is to come to Philadelphia and stand here and dodge ice balls, not snowballs, but ice balls, about uh, 25 of which have been thrown into the booth in the last three minutes. This is really fun. I'm way back behind the wall here because three have already hit me in the top of the head. It wasn't easy to focus on the game. Players like Jerome Brown tried to appeal to the fans. The officials thought that if the Eagles players actually went to the crowd and kind of said, hey, 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 come on, knock it off. Uh, They're going to start calling penalties on us because of your misbehavior. Uh, Stop it, stop it, you know, that kind of thing. Jerome did it. A few of the other players kind of like went to the crowd, stop, stop, don't don't do that anymore. Didn't have much effect. (laughs) The fans were going to do what they were going to do. In the meantime, I just saw Reggie White signaling to the crowd to please stop throwing the snowballs. Through all of this, the Eagles and Cowboys managed to play 60 minutes of football. Wide receiver Chris Carter scored two touchdowns for the Eagles. The Cowboys running back, Daryl Johnston, had one. The final score was 20 to 10, but if you ask the players what happened back then, no one remembers the game, but everyone remembers the snowballs. I remember us, you know, beating the Cowboys pretty handily at home. I don't even really remember much about the game, but I have like that memory seared in my mind of Jimmy running off the field and he's just being pelted with snowballs from every direction. Coming up in the next episode, Off the Field, the Buddy Ryan era comes to an end. Could this be the end of the rivalry? A dear friend and player dies. Free agency is introduced and it starts to shake up the league and the birds. And in the 90s, on the field? I didn't get the pleasure of getting one of those 11. Um, I got a couple of hits couple of closies, but never had the opportunity to get one of those sacks on that day. We couldn't stop class because he was just a, a hell of a pass rusher. If you're the Cowboys, all you're thinking about is trying to get out of town in one piece. Really, that's how it felt. And that's how it played out. You've been listening to Return Game, Birds, Boys, and Bad Blood, presented by Novacare Rehabilitation. I'm Rob Ellis, along with Derek Gunn compassionate and trusted care clinical expertise it's the cornerstone of NovaCare rehabilitation and why they're the leading provider of physical therapy throughout the Delaware Valley don't let aches and pains or any injury slow you down schedule an appointment today at NovaCare.com the Philadelphia Eagles choose NovaCare so can you NovaCare the power of physical therapy